This is Talking Tactics, the podcast that celebrates enrollment success one tactic at a time. The catch? The tactic had to be done with limited resources, either by a single person, a small but mighty team, limited time, or with a low budget. I'm your host, Diana Kibbils, Strategy Director at Ology, and I'll be interviewing the most creative and resourceful folks across higher ed to break down a single tactic, from idea to results, so you can try them too. Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Talking Tactics. I'm your host, Day Kibbils, Strategy Director at Ology, lover of emails, talker of tactics, first of my name. Today, we're going to talk about how Stony Brook University has figured out how to get more impressions on social admissions content by coordinating with central marketing and working with one admissions-focused student content creator. Our ingenious guest today is Jacqueline Rowe. Jacqueline is the Senior Enrollment Communications Coordinator, a role she's had since 2013. Though she's been in marketing since 2008, she actually found her niche in online marketing and communications by focusing on enrollment and admissions. She's passionate about mentoring, building partnerships across campus, and engaging students to drive enrollment, which are, I think, three of the key ingredients for the success of the tactic she's going to share with us today. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited you're here. I know social media, content creation, student-generated content is a big, big thing on everyone's mind. So talk to me about what you did and what you were trying to solve. So we in admissions have been always focused on how to engage students in a way that reaches them where they are and not where we want them to be. Mm -hmm. We always thought that if we had a separate social account for them, or if we had a place for them to go, they would join us there and we can get them the information they needed. What we found, though, was that on these individual social sites for incoming students specifically, or even prospective students, the numbers were dropping off over time very significantly till we had an incoming class of 3,300 with maybe only a couple hundred students joining at those sites. We wanted a way to reach students where they were and where they were primarily um, based on survey results that we've been taking of matriculated and withdrawn students was Instagram and TikTok. And that's where we wanted to join them. So we hired a social media intern to focus on admissions content creation. And that's where we got started. All right. So talk to me a little bit about the decision to hire this intern and why an intern versus staff on your team versus, you know, the the Gen C admissions counselor that everybody thinks know exactly what type of content they need to create. Talk to me about where the, the idea to hire an intern came from. That always reminds me of when I first started in online marketing, when everyone's like, oh, just put the youngest person in charge of social media because they're on it. (laughs) Exactly. Of (laughs) course. That's clearly worked out great for everyone. (laughs) Um, Really what you need, just like with a professional staff, if you're going to have student interns, A, pay them, and B, get someone who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they know everything about social creation, engagement, and tracking numbers and analytics. But what they do know is just a little bit more than the average social media user. They don't just consume content, they've created it, and they've created it in a way that transcends kind of the uh, just, you know, here's my face, 
I've never edited a video, someone who's done just a little bit more, or someone that's really trainable. If you don't have someone who's taken their social to the next level, but you see a lot of potential in them. And so when we created this position, we put it out there for our students to apply to, and we didn't really limit it by major. Mm -hmm. The only thing we said was that they had to be an undergraduate student who had gone through the undergraduate student process at Stony Brook so that we could work with them to create unique content for our prospective and admitted students. And we put the call out there. We got about 15 to 20 applicants, and we interviewed about eight of them. And the interview process at that time was very one-on-one, which we switched it up uh, for our second student, which I'll talk about later. And we really just talked to them about who they were. This was not a formal interview. It was more about getting to know them, getting them comfortable talking to us because we wanted to see who they were like. Would this person be the type of person who could just go up to a student on a tour and ask them about their experience and get them talking? Mm -hmm. Would this be someone who can be the face of Stony Brook and not have, you know, ghosts come out of their closet that they didn't want to show yeah, up and they're like, should have oh, stayed isn't... in the closet. <laughs> exactly. Like, isn't that? Isn't Keep that the ghosts in there. Your person? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we checked their backgrounds <laughs> and things like that. And we just had this one, uh, we were very lucky to have one standout student who was a journalism major. And we were like, okay, so you understand content creation from a journalism perspective, but do you understand it from a marketing perspective mm-hmm. and a communication perspective? And that was a shift for them. And uh, so we were able to kind of, we created the position with some basic ideas in mind. What type of content do we want them to work with? What were the platforms we have them work with? What were the platforms they're comfortable with? Mm -hmm. And then we used them to help kind of guide the position itself. Where could they bring this position? What unique characteristics and information could they bring to this content creation, because if we told them everything they had to create it, it'd be like, hi, our deadline is January 15th. Submit your apps. Jeez. <laughs> what you all didn't see is Jacqueline did the little like elbow fist bump thing. <laughs> um, so I love that you brought that up because I, you know, what to post on social is something people don't really talk about, right? So can you talk to us about, you know, what does admissions content look like on social? And when you say you hired an admissions-focused intern, what was this intern doing that isn't just posting a deadline or, you know, application reminder or something like that? The key difference is that this was built on the foundation of the fact that they were already about five to seven other social media interns that were managed by the marketing communications department. We have a social media manager for the university Mm -hmm. accounts. And I want to be very specific about that because we did not create admissions accounts. We had the social media intern posting content to the university managed accounts. This got us a much farther reach. Oh yeah. um, As well as gave us a way to, engage students who might be following those accounts in hopes of coming here or were just admitted and wanted to learn more or just, you know, stumbled upon it from either uh, a Google search or just their friends shared some content and we wanted it to be fun. It's not fun when someone just says, hey, apply by this deadline or the FAFSA opened. They can get that information anywhere. And we wanted the content more to be what sets us apart. Mm -hmm. What is the Stony Brook difference? Which was funny because the Stony Brook difference is an entire section on our admissions website. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we wanted to be the student to give their story, 
not necessarily exclusive to their major though. Uh, why here? Why they got through the process? Mm-hmm. Um, what's fun about us? What makes everything a little bit different of where students can see themselves here? Because admissions is not just about recruitment. Um, you know, people used to call us car salesmen back in the day. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't work in admissions. You're just trying to sell mm-hmm. the university. I've but fought it, that fight. Exactly. <laughs> and you're just like, no, when I got into this, it's because I'm passionate about the school I work for. And I want to find students that are the right fit for us just as much as we're the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. For example, Stony Brook is a large university. If a student comes here expecting, you know, 10 person classes um, for their entire four years, they're going to feel misled. So yeah. I don't want to tell a generic university story that meets every student's needs. I want to tell our story and find the students that would fit in here properly. Mm-hmm. And having a student portray their kind of walk through life here at Stony Brook really helped us do that. So as far as admissions content that made things different, we did a couple different things. We based it on questions we got in the beginning. We kind of broke up their internship into three components. In the beginning, we gave them assignments. We talked about what was coming up, what events could they be highlighting, you know, do a standard day in the life, a very, you know, standard social media thing now, Uh, do a dorm tour, you know, things. And it actually really, it didn't just get us content to put out there. It got the student used to Who's the audience for this? Mm-hmm. Who's going to see this information? Let me put them so- myself in their shoes and create some content that I think I would have wanted to see as an incoming student. Then as they got more comfortable, we did a combination. We had certain things we wanted to address. Uh, even if it was like the application deadlines coming up, why should you care? And then we asked them, why should they care? What do you have going on that you want to highlight? Uh, What do you love about being this close to New York City or living um, and going to school on an island? And then as the year got farther, it became more about their ideas. What do you want to highlight? You've now seen what has done well, what got engagement and what hasn't. Take a look at these stats. Take a look at your views and say, okay, what could I do better? What do I want to highlight? And what do I wish more people knew? Uh, One of the ways we also kind of uh, got that content was we did an AMA, nothing like a good AMA on Instagram stories. Everybody loves them. (laughs) And so we had a student say, all right, I'm Justin. I'm from Stony Brook. Ask me anything about my experience. Doesn't matter what. And what surprised me more than the questions we got were how many were clearly from prospective students. Mm -hmm. You know, people always think like, oh, the university account. It's followed by current students. It's followed by alumni, maybe some parents. All the questions we got were for prospective students, and we got 67. I want to quickly interrupt this conversation to invite you to join me at Element 451's Engage Summit on June 27th and 28th in Raleigh, North Carolina. When it comes to the student experience, we know that you want to be a trusted guide from recruiting to graduation. The Engage Summit by Element 451 brings the best minds in higher ed together to give you the strategy and tools to create a cohesive student experience from start to finish. Explore the latest technologies, increase your skill set, and gain insights into today's students to deliver the most personalized digital engagement experience every step of the way. This is not your standard at Tech User Conference. This is a dynamic, inspiring, and empowering event for all higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. 
I'll be presenting at this event, along with some of your favorite higher ed LinkedIn and Twitter follows. You can learn more about this event and register for it at engage.element451.com. Oh, and get 50% off your registration when you use the discount code ENROLA550 at checkout. See you there. I've seen it both ways, right? The admissions accounts and then the central accounts and then schools that only have one. When you're a prospective student and you're trying to figure out what life is like at this place, you're going to go to the main account, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if, if you go to the admissions account, it's just a bunch of deadline reminders that gives you no information about what this school is like. And um, in my job, I actually, I'm lucky. I get to interview a lot of students and um, one student from one particular school basically told me that if if they go to the central account and they don't notice that there's a focus on incoming students or student life, that it, it's an immediate turnoff for them because that means they're not prioritized and then they don't want to go there, right? So I love how you have found a way to incorporate some of these more admissions-driven content themes into what what actually being there is like. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. People asked me why, why don't you just create a Stony Brook admissions account yeah. on Instagram and TikTok? And we do have a YouTube mm-hmm. being, having a place where we can create content and videos that is clearly directed at prospective students. Things like here's what a class is like with faculty and here's the student perspective and here's an inf- a pre-recorded information session. That's helpful to have on YouTube. But that is also full YouTube videos. When even YouTube, you could split into two different social accounts, which is the YouTube and then YouTube Shorts, mm-hmm. as they're getting more into that TikTok esque yeah. uh, engagement platform. But when it comes to TikTok and Instagram, why would you follow something that's going to have an expiration date? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to follow something that, okay, I've been admitted and now I'm registered for my classes. Uh, this content's just getting annoying. I'm going to unfollow them. It's only going to screw with your algorithm, with your engagement and your reach. The best way to do it is to partner with your marketing communications department if they're doing it well. And if they're not, talk to them about mm-hmm. why this is important, how you want to be there to support them. You're not there to take over. You're there to just be a key component in the marketing communication strategy to engage students, not just incoming students, but admitted students and current students get excited to welcome admitted students. Yeah. And alumni do too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I love the model of splitting the internship into these kind of three sections, right? Um, it's kind of like on the job training, which is great. Uh, what other resources and supports did you have set up for your intern? And, and was there like a workflow in place to approve content? Absolutely. So what, our, what we did was we had weekly meetings. When you have a content creator, and especially an undergraduate student, their priority should always be their education, yeah. not their job. <laughs> and ultimately, this is a job. So if their priority is their education, you can't have them working for you 20, 30 hours a week, sitting in an office, doing constant work of, I don't even know what you would do with your content creator in an office. But what we did was we had the student working four to eight hours a week. We offered internship credit as well so they could get experiential learning. Mm-hmm. We also paid them, which I think mm-hmm. is a really important component. It doesn't mean you have to have this massive budget. It just means that you have to have one student worker line and this could be a work study line if you find the right student that is dedicated to creating content um, to to highlight the student experience and we would meet with them weekly for one hour 
And that was it. The rest of their 48 hours are based on content creation. So you do have to have someone you trust. You can track their hours through a number of different ways. We used uh, assignments in Asana, Mm -hmm. which we had a free account. You could use ClickUp. You could really use anything where the students kind of say, it took me this much time to do this project. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you're constantly seeing that project. You're getting the videos themselves Mm -hmm. as they submit them to you. For us, it was a Google Drive or just uh, an attachment. And we're like, hey, this is, you have to give deadlines. Um, People are like, oh, I don't want to stifle them. No, give them a deadline. People need deadlines, right? (laughs) Yes. And especially (laughs) students, they're used to it. Yeah. Um, So we always gave about a one to two week deadline and said, this is what we need. When they're covering an event, it was usually, okay, if you went to that event, you had about three days. If it was more of a general topic, like my favorite video Justin made, the bike tour of our campus. Mm was within a week or two. So I love um, focusing it on these are the content you're creating. This is about how long the video should be. You are in charge of recording, editing, and sending us the content. The only thing we should be adding to a student's video maybe is a link, a call to action, and that's only if it requires it. Most of our admissions related content didn't have a call to action, which is for me as a marketer is shocking and painful. But It didn't have a thing that they had to do necessarily unless it was tied to a deadline because the admissions funnel is so different Mm -hmm. now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We are less focused on, you know, that name buying, especially as we all go test optional Mm -hmm. and having that prospect who's never heard of you and then converting them to an inquiry and then getting them to apply. The apply, the admit, enroll, that's going to be standard forever. But why should they apply? You know, we all heard of stealth Mm -hmm. applicants and getting them to take that next step. You better make sure that your website and the content that's out mm-hmm. there that has been created by the university is telling a story just as well as your uh, emails are doing. Mm-hmm. If they're driving students to take that next step, it's because they're engaging a student. So as opposed to having a prospect, you would just be trying to strive for awareness. Are mm-hmm. people aware of our university? And once they're aware of our university, We want them to raise their hand. And in the sense that used to be an inquiry, and now that's more about engaging. Now they're engaging with the university. They're taking a step to say, okay, I want to learn more. I'm going to follow you, or I might not even follow you. It shows up on my four-year page, but I watched the whole thing. And now Mm -hmm. it will keep showing up on your four-year page. Mm -hmm. The content also, you know, it's the numbers are helpful, but they don't tell the whole story. They can help you kind of see what worked and what didn't. But also keep in mind that as long as people aren't go, you know, bashing your university yeah. as in the comments section, you could be doing something right. Yeah. I, I always like to say this to folks that hesitate to hire students for social content. You know, we hire dozens of students as tour guides. We train them well, and then we release them to out there with families with no monitoring. Like we have no idea actually what a tour guide is saying to a family one-on-one, right? Mm-hmm. With a social media intern, we we can see exactly what they've said. We can take it down, right? We, we can correct the record. And that's not something we can do with tour guides. And yet we trust that so blindly, right? So don't be afraid, folks. Hire the intern. I love that you did this in partnership with your uh, Marcom team. Uh, for the Central University. And uh, you talked to us a little bit about how, you know, there were questions about whether it should be an admissions account or not. Are there any other challenges that you had to overcome with this idea? 
the accounts are always an issue because how do you get a marketing communication department to just share content that's not created or curated by them? Yes. How do you? Tell us, please. <laughs> Um, a big component is involve them. Make sure that your social media managers, your coordinators, and even the other interns feel like they're part of the process, mm -hmm. that they are part of the storytelling. So in addition to Justin being our intern, which gave him a little bit more face time as far as content being posted to the accounts. He also did content and went to meetings with the other social media interns that were managed by the university. Mm -hmm. And so he got to learn from them and they got to learn from him, but it also made him clearly a key component of that team. And those hour meetings we had every week were always not just me and him, but the social media manager for the university, mm -hmm. because they also control the calendar. Mm -hmm. If there is an emergency or a crisis comms or an announcement like Stony Brook got Governor's Island. Well, sorry, everything's going to go on pause when it comes to admissions, yeah. because ultimately this content will benefit you as well. But this recording of this other event that they went to might have to be delayed a couple days. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing about social is they need content for every day. And so just reminding other partners why you're important and then reminding them why you're not going to make your own accounts yeah. and they come back and say so why doesn't admissions have this an account well if admissions had an instagram or a TikTok, students have no real reason to engage with it long term and ultimately means they usually don't follow it in the first place mm -hmm. you might get a couple hundred followers whereas the flagship accounts could have tens of thousands mm -hmm. if not more or if you're small liberal arts even a couple thousand but that's still going to be more than the amount you would ever have as an admissions account mm -hmm. and then main university accounts tell the story tell the story of your university and you just need to make sure that you're part of that story mm -hmm. and so for me it's just like anything else we do in enrollment communication and marketing is make friends talk mm -hmm. to people across campus make those connections because when you do and you put yourself out there as a value added and not a I'm going to tell you how to do your job people are much more likely to partner with you yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just love that uh, approach. And, and part of it too is that means you don't have to worry about content every day, right? Like your job is easier too, because the university's producing content that's relevant to your audience. Uh, but it's not all on your shoulders as the enrollment communicator. Can you uh, imagine as a communications <laughs> department of like two or three people trying to create content for, for social every day for the two people that would follow us. Yeah, no. And then like the account seems kind of dead because nobody's commenting or liking, which just hurts your reputation. So if anyone right. listening out there, the way to do it is work with Central Marcom. Mm -hmm. So this is the moment everyone's been waiting for, Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your results. What have you seen as kind of the outcome of this whole endeavor? Absolutely. So again, we focused on two social media platforms. We had primarily content going to Instagram and TikTok over the last year. For just the videos that our student intern Justin posted since around September, October is when he started through May, which when we're recording this, he had 150,000 impressions on Instagram for videos he was mm -hmm. highlighted in, which means that the person we hired had 
so many impressions over his videos. Just ones that he was focused on, which were only five videos, got a, wow. almost 100,000 impressions, as opposed to a couple uh, thousand the average video would get, and especially things like reels that were focused on announcements that weren't student-engaging content. Yeah. Those wow. would get maybe a couple thousand, but his would really highlight the student experience, and that's what people want to see, whether they're alumni, current, or prospective students. Wow, that's fantastic. As far as TikTok, he did, uh, we posted a lot more of his content on their 15 videos. The numbers in TikTok are typically lower, but we still hit 40,000 views. We did take one of the videos he did, which did really well, and we boosted it for a small nominal fee. And that one hit nearly 3 million views. 3 million. Wow. Overall, totally worth it. Absolutely. People always think when you create a sponsored ad or a boosted post on social, especially Instagram and TikTok, that you have to create the content that you are then going to post as a sponsored or boosted post. You don't need to do that. You can take one of your best videos and just highlight it. It will do a thousand times better. That's incredible. Yes. Uh, so those those are great numbers, especially kind of comparing to what the typical video would get. And, and just the fact that this is one person, five videos, so much reach you would never get um, mm-hmm. outside of these platforms. Uh, I What else have you done with this content? Like what are some of the other kind of advantages and results from Absolutely. having this? So in addition to taking our content the nice thing is that we then own it. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, the social accounts have things that kind of are posted a bunch of different ways, uh, whether it's highlighting things that have happened to the university or our alumni or donors have done. But because we own this content and we have, like I said, just our one platform, YouTube, we posted some of the content to our YouTube shorts, allowing us to control both the accessibility, which is huge for us, making sure everything is fully accessible, closed captions on everything. And we were able to then take those YouTube links, which are easily embedded and highlighted on our websites, but especially in our email communications. We took a part of our campaign that we run to prospective and admitted students and made sure that we linked out to the content that we've been creating throughout the year on our YouTube account. Uh, or when we did the Tic Tech AMA, we actually texted students asking them to submit their questions, which is a huge reason why it was so successful. Text message through Slate didn't cost that much money, which we were really grateful mm-hmm. for. And we reached um, like 20,000 students and we got, like I said, 67 questions. But the reach on those recordings was also really amazing. One of my favorites was students would ask questions like, when's this deadline? Or how do I get financial aid to contact me and things like that? And we would give them standard answers, which either Justin or even myself recorded in front of a clean background with, here's the answers, just to get it out there. And we have a highlight reel on our Instagram account, just focused on admissions. But then we got a question, which was, uh, what is the secret about Stony Brook that people only know once they get there? Mm-hmm. And uh, Justin's like, you're going to record this one with me because I told him what the secret was, <laughs> which apparently nobody else knew. Oh, what is In- the secret? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not it's not a very good secret, but apparently it is because nobody knows about it. Stony Brook is a huge campus on Long Island in New York. And we have... A lot of very um, brutalist buildings, Mm -hmm. things that are very visually appealing. But one of the coolest buildings is what looks like essentially a box or physics building. Mm -hmm. But behind the physics building are these curved benches and these lampposts. There's no sign. There's no explanation. But if you sit in one of the curved benches, which is about 15 feet from the other side of the end of the bench, and it's a semicircle, 
and I whisper into one corner, Justin could hear me at the other. So we recorded it twice from my perspective and his perspective. And we did, what's a sea wolf? I'm a sea wolf. And then if you stand in the middle of the lamppost, if you talk, it echoes your voice back to you. Now that's impossible to record, by the way, because the recording cannot hear you. (laughs) So I ended it. I I actually did it, but Justin was recording me and I'm too old to be doing this because I'm 38, but (laughs) it was still fun. And I said, I did the echo and I said, you can hear my echo, but you'll have to try it for yourself. It was an off the cuff thing. Nothing was scripted, but he ended the video when he cut it together with that line because then it gives students the opportunity to do that, whether they're coming on a tour or they're a current student here. We called it the whisper wall. And we said, please, for the love of God, tell us what the actual name of this is. We are not physics majors. No one corrected us. No one could tell us what it was called. It is apparently called whisper vibrations or just eh, sound it's vibrations. It's whisper wall from this point forward. It is whisper wall from that's, this point that's forward. That's what it is. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that kind of organic content. Uh, I love how you're using the content in other platforms and kind of really repurposing for, for different channels. That's mm-hmm. that's really cost effective, right? I mean, what a great way to do student-generated content. Is there anything now that you've kind of gone through this uh, that you have learned that you would do differently or any advice for someone that wants to hire an intern to do this work? Absolutely. Um, the one thing we did change significantly between last year and this year as our student, the only reason we're letting him go is because he's graduating. Cheers. Ah, students, <laughs> why must they do this to us? <laughs> I know. Uh, you train them so hard. Ah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go take this and be I successful guess. elsewhere. Go grow up or something. Fine. Okay. Um, so we were like, okay, we have to hire another one. A, we included Justin in the review of our next intern. Great. So continuing the trend of making sure that those students take what they learned and bring it forward and give us contributions as well, empowers them to do more and do better. And then he was like, well, why don't we have them submit a video? And I was like, well, then I don't have to interview as many people. And that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. We are a large university with 27,000 students on campus. So we're great. We're very lucky that a lot of people applied. If you have a small university, you may only get one or two, you know, people who are really interested. But if you have them submit content, giving them one prompt that's very brief, it's incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. So our prompt tied into a hashtag that we created called hashtag choose SVU, which is uh, Stony Brook chose you, now choose SVU. And so I asked the students, why'd you choose Stony Brook? And so some of their content was fine. And then the person who stood out, we had uh, all of them interview the people who created content, who actually listened to the prompt. That's a good way to weeding some people mm-hmm. out as well. And then we interviewed them and we were like, okay, well, what platforms do you use? What mm-hmm. do you like about social media? What do you think you could bring to this position? Mm-hmm. These aren't standard necessarily like what are your strengths and weaknesses interviews these are what does this role mean to you what do you want to make it Mm -hmm. because social interns content creators there it's different it's ultimately going to be different than hiring a tour guide where you're giving them the words Mm -hmm. because they still have to answer the questions but content creators you can give someone a prompt but if they're making and recording information they're going to come up with their own thing Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited for our next student intern, Noma, and she's going to 
come from a completely different perspective. She's a poli-sci major with a mass comm minor, and she did a great highlight reel of her favorite things at Stony Brook, of how the traditions um, that she heard about or reasons she came here mm-hmm. and that she loved them. And she's a first year, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, I love that. So and close so to the learn audience. from your students. Yeah. Absolutely. Learn from the people who are in the role and then take it from there. Um, because if you try to control it too much, you'll get what you put out there, which is cookie cutter. Yeah. And free the cookies, free the cookies, (laughs) let the students generate the content. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for sharing this awesome tactic with us. Uh, If folks want to contact you, where could they find you? Instagram and Twitter, Jackrow, J-A-C-Q-R-O-W-E. Happy to help out in New York. All right. Well, that's the end of our episode today. And to our listeners out there, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics. Thank you all for listening to Talking Tactics. If you try what you heard today, or if you've got a tactic of your own to share, I definitely want to hear it. So find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Diana Kibilds. That's D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there's nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, If you just can't get enough of good podcasts, the Enrollified Podcast Network delivers with an amazing selection of other marketing and admissions-focused podcasts just for you. Go show them some love. See you next time.